0: Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Talking Indonesia podcast to discuss Thursday's terror attack in Jakarta, in which assailants use bombs and firearms to attack a Starbucks cafe and nearby traffic police post on the city's main thoroughfare, with seven people killed, including the five perpetrators. I'm your host, Dave McRae, from the University of Melbourne's Asia Institute, and to analyse the attacks and their implications, I'm joined by Solo Hudin, a leading expert on jihadi movements in Indonesia, and author of the book, The Roots of Terrorism in Indonesia, which is full disclosure by translated into English. Sola Houdin, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you, Dev. Good morning.
0: Good morning. Sola, could I start by asking, we saw on the afternoon of the attack itself, the Indonesian police had already mentioned an Indonesian national based in Raqqa in Syria, Bahran Naim, as the likely ringleader of the attack. Could you tell us who Bahran Naim is
1: Bahru Naim was former Hizbut Tahrir activist Hizbut Tahrir is the Islamist organization in Indonesia who have called to uh, establish Islamic caliphate but Hizbut Tahrir not using violence Hizbut, uh, Bahru Naim start transform become a jihadist after he contacted with Imam Samudra Imam Samudra is the original Bali bomber in 2000 uh, in early 2000 in 2009 Uh, Bahru Naim arrested by the police uh, because of uh, terrorist offenses, possession for uh, ammunition and also the illegal arm. Uh, Bahru Naim was released from the prison in early 2011. And in uh, 2014, when ISIS declared uh, Islamic Caliphate, Bahru Naim take pledge loyalty to ISIS. In early 2015, uh, Bahru Naim left for Syria.
0: Sola explained that through two rounds of arrests in July and December last year, which each foiled terror plots, Indonesian police knew that Bahru Naim was planning attacks in Indonesia.
1: From that arrest, actually the police can reveal that Bahru Naim actually already sent some funds for a terrorist attack in Indonesia. But at the time, actually the police failed to arrest all of them.
0: Beyond this knowledge, I asked Solo whether anything specific linked the five perpetrators who were killed on Thursday to Bahram 9.
1: One of the perpetrators is Afib, alias Sunakim, former convicted terrorist who just released from the prison in August or September 2015. Afib or Sunakim, actually the pro-ISIS supporter, he have also have relation actually with. Bahrun Naim, yeah, and he already knew Bahrun Naim since 2011. So the police, from that connection, the police, I think, start to make conclusion that the Thursday attack have linked to uh, Bahrun Naim not only because the early arrest in the end of 2015, but also because the police looked the link, actually, between Bahru Naim with Afib or Sunakib. Uh,
0: so, police knew Bahru Naim was planning attacks in Indonesia through these earlier arrests. Uh, a round of planned attacks in August and another at the turn of the year, although neither happened. Now, did those planned attacks also target Starbucks and a police post, or were the targets different?
1: The target, of course, different because, actually, when in early arrest, especially in the, uh, in December 2015, actually, the, the, the perpetrators actually just mentioned that they're targeted, they are targeted. There are some targeted, actually. One of them, of course, still the police office, for example. Another targeted, they just mentioned, actually, have relation with the Western interests in Indonesia. Why actually the terrorists, uh, the ISIS supporters now start to target uh, Western uh, interests here in Indonesia? Because actually, uh, this is actually have relation with the statement from one of the spokesperson of ISIS, Abu Muhammad Al-Adnani in 2015, who mentioned, who encouraged, who appealed actually all of the ISIS supporters around the world to conduct attacks targeted citizens of anti ISIS countries. This is also actually very interesting for Indonesia. This is actually the new development for Indonesia if we talk about the terrorist case in Indonesia. Why? Because actually for a long time, since two thousand nine or since of twenty ten until twenty fifteen, the terrorists in Indonesia seem to have abandoned uh, targeted actually for enemy or Western interest. most of the terrorists actually from 2010 until 2015 most of them actually targeted the police because they are getting angry with the police because the police has been arrested a lot of their friends but now they start to change now start to target it actually the Western interest. So this is actually it's like comeback to the terrorist activity in early 2000 when actually the terrorists actually start uh, targeted the Western interests in Indonesia. So for me actually the Thursday attack is something very important for Indonesia to start to realize that the terrorists now start to change again actually their target.
0: I mean, what do you think those responsible for Thursday's attack were trying to achieve uh, through that attack, uh, I mean, who were they trying to send a send a message to? If that's what they were trying to do,
1: if we look actually the target, there are two targets. The first one actually the traffic police post, and the second one uh, the Starbucks cafe. From the target, we know actually that they have want to send message to two parties. The first one actually the near enemy, the police and the government. And the second one, actually, they want to send message to the far enemy, you know, the Westerner. So for me, actually, that uh, attack is very clear. They want to send, actually, message both uh, to both enemy, the near enemy and the far enemy.
0: And what did you think of the tactics that we saw in the attack on Thursday? I understand it was a mix, perhaps, of suicide bombings or at least bombings. Uh, And then we saw in the media images a couple of the perpetrators using pistols and and firing at the police Is that has that been pretty standard in previous terror attacks in Indonesia, or are we seeing something new there?
1: No, this is actually something new Hmm. if we look actually the Thursday attack We never have actually the terrorist uh, attacks like this before but If we look, actually, uh, the attack also, we can understand. They start, actually, they want to duplicate what happened, actually, in Paris. Hmm. Because in in his blog, Bahru Naim, actually, really, really inspiring with the Paris attack. And I think uh, Thursday attack, they want to duplicate the Paris attack in Indonesia. But the problem is actually, maybe they have good plan, but the problem is they don't have any capacity to conduct actually similar attack like in Paris. For example, we can look actually that most of the, 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 per, the five of the perpetrators only have two uh, weapons even one of the weapons actually is only homemade weapon homemade pistol so they don't have actually enough uh, equipment to conduct a similar attack like in paris and also we can look actually their capacity to conduct actually similar attack if we look actually some picture the sequel picture who taken by the some of the journalists we can look that the terrorists have very low capacity. Why? Because they can get difficulties even to shoot some police in very near distance, you know. So they got, actually, very difficulties, actually, to conduct similar attacks like uh, in Paris. So, in my opinion, yes, they, uh, you know, they want to duplicate, to copy uh, the terrorist attack in Paris, But the problem is they don't have any enough capacity to uh, conduct similar attacks.
0: Can I ask you on that point of capacity? Uh, In Indonesia, uh, over the past uh, decade, decade and a half, uh, there have been areas of interreligious violence in Poso and Maluku in eastern Indonesia. And jihadi networks there did have access to to firearms. And indeed, uh, there must be, I guess, uh, hundreds perhaps of, of Indonesians who, who went uh, and fought with jihadi movements in those conflicts. Now, why don't you see a transfer of fire, firearms or capacity from those earlier conflicts in eastern Indonesia to, to the people conducting attacks uh, in Jakarta on Thursday?
1: There are some reasons why actually like ISIS supporter, is really getting difficulties to get, for example, illegal arms or pistol, or something like that. There are some reasons. They are uh, the first reason actually some ISIS supporters actually have access to the weapon. But the problem is actually the ISIS supporters who have uh, access to the weapon, now most of them actually the member of the Bujakidin Indonesia Timur in Poso, led by Santoso. Mm. They have actually some uh, quite uh, sophisticated weapon. But at that time, they cannot give actually that weapon to their colleagues outside Poso because they still need it actually to fight against the police and also the TNI. The second reason actually, if we're looking for some illegal arm actually outside Poso or outside the conflict area, now it starts difficulties. Why? Especially after 2013 attacks against police, when there is actually many cases the police actually has been killed by the po- by the uh, the terrorists the police actually start to watching closely the network of the or the black market of the firearm in indonesia for example one of the resources actually for illegal arm in indonesia actually there is actually in homemade a central homemade in bandung west java if we try to find actually illegal arms now, like in Bandung, is very, very difficult because the police actually uh, two years ago, you know, has arrested many people there. So now actually it's very difficult actually to get the illegal arms, especially outside the conflict area.
0: Could I take you away from Thursday's attack specifically and talk a bit more about pro-ISIS groups in Indonesia? You've mentioned the various apparent links to ISIS in this attack, uh, sort of one of the perpetrators affiliation, the link to Bahrain's name. How big, in fact, is the support base for ISIS in Indonesia at the moment?
1: After early arrest in December 2015, actually police released the data. According to the data of the police, the number of the uh, ISIS supporters in Indonesia is around a thousand people. The thousand people divided become three categories. More than 500 people become the hardcore of ISIS in Indonesia. More than 200 people become the ISIS supporters and more than and 250 people become the ISIS sympathizer. So if we look actually the number of the ISIS supporters in Indonesia, I think this is a quite big uh, number, especially if we talk about the extremist group. Of course, if we compare with the number of the Muslim community in Indonesia, a thousand people actually the small number, but if we talk about the extremist group, the extremist group who have member or supporter or the around a thousand people actually is really really concerned. concerning for us. I think the Indonesia really really concerned if we look actually the number of the ISIS supporter in Indonesia, and also actually. Uh, the, the, the the supporter of Indonesia concentrate not only in Java, but also actually concentrate in certain area like in Sulawesi, in Maluku, you know, and also in Sumatra area. So if we look actually the distribution of the ISIS supporter, this is also actually really, 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 Alarming for actually indonesia or for us you know because now isis not only concentrate in java but also to spread outside of java also
0: you mentioned a support base of a thousand people for isis in indonesia small in comparison to the over 200 million muslims in indonesia but a large proportion of the extremist groups there now what is it that is attracting these indonesians to isis do you think
1: There are some interesting narratives from ISIS who attract for certain people in Indonesia. The first uh, narrative is about the Hijrah narrative. Hijrah is moving from an Islamic land to Islamic land. Now ISIS already established Islamic Halifa. So according to ISIS teaching, this is compulsory for every Muslim around the world to move from an Islamic country to Syria and Iraq to join with ISIS because the Islamic countries already established. Some of the Indonesians who, for example, some of the Indonesians who live for Syria have reason because they want to live under Islamic State. Another attractive narrative, ISIS claim that the end of the time has arrived in Syria. The Islamic prophecy of the end of the time says that there will be a caliphate led by descendant of Prophet Muhammad at the end of the time, and ISIS claimed to be the caliphate. So some Indonesia believe uh, in uh, with joining ISIS, they joining uh, army of Islam at the end of the time.
0: Now. You mentioned, uh, I think you said earlier, it's alarming that there are perhaps a thousand supporters of ISIS in Indonesia and that they've spread uh, beyond Java to other islands. How big a threat, in fact, is ISIS to security in Indonesia? And how would you say that compares to other regions, say the Europe and, and Middle East, for instance?
1: compare the ISIS threat in Indonesia compared with other countries, I still believe that the ISIS threat in Indonesia is very small. There are some reasons, there are some arguments. The first one, because the capacity of the ISIS supporter, if we talk about the military capacity, is still low. And also the second uh, argument, because in Indonesia is quite difficult actually to get access uh, for the weapon. Or for the uh, explosive material. So that is because of the capacity and difficulties to get logistic, make actually uh, the threat of ISIS in Indonesia still small than other countries.
0: But I mean are we likely to see more attacks from pro-ISIS groups in Indonesia do you think?
1: So it is difficult to predict. The more difficult it is for ISIS supporter to go to Syria. The greater the chance they will choose to wage jihad in Indonesia instead. But even if they decide to wage jihad in Indonesia, that is that is doesn't necessarily mean they will launch more attack like we saw on Thursday. They could also choose to join Mujahidin Indonesia Timur in Poso, who are uh, who already take pledge loyalty to ISIS and fight against Indonesia's security force there. Some ISIS supporters consider joining MIT or Mujahideen Indonesia Tiber in Poso to be closer to the battlefield experience in Syria rather than conducting terrorist attack outside of Poso.
0: I mean, that's really interesting. You mentioned these choices ISIS supporters face between different courses of action. Is there any way analysts or the authorities in Indonesia can predict what choices ISIS supporters are going to make in the future facing these alternatives?
1: Uh, to make prediction, the important thing is to follow debates between ISIS supporters. The difficulty is that ISIS supporters in Indonesia and in Syria are increasing, increasingly conducting this debate on a secret discussion forum using communication applications like Telegram. The challenge for the security force is whether they can gain access uh, at this discussion forum or not.
0: Okay, and I mean, the interesting thing is we know not all jihadi groups in Indonesia, even those who are sending people to Syria, support ISIS. Um, Is it only the pro-ISIS groups who pose a potential risk of attacks in the future, or do the authorities also need to be closely monitoring these other jihadi groups as well?
1: In my opinion actually the security in Indonesia also should concern about the threat from uh, non-ISIS jihadists especially after recently the Ayman al-Zawahiri the Amir of Al-Qaeda actually released statement to encourage actually pro-Al-Qaeda jihadists in Indonesia to wage a jihad against Indonesian authority. I think this uh, statement from Ayman Azawahiri can influence some anti ISIS jihadists or pro al Qaeda uh, jihadists to start to thinking to conduct with jihad in Indonesia. So Indonesia security I think should also uh, concern uh, about the potential threat from uh, al-qaeda supporters in indonesia not only uh, monitoring actually the uh, pro-isis supporter but also pro-al-qaeda supporter
0: okay and i mean have we seen any statements from uh, the al-qaeda supporters among indonesian jihadis about the attacks on thursday uh, do you get a sense of whether other jihadi groups who oppose ISIS uh, supported or opposed that attack?
1: It's very interesting, actually. Uh, some of the pro-Al-Qaeda supporters already released, actually, the statement that the Thursday attack is violent Islamic law, especially when they mention that most of the casualties, actually, most of the victim is ordinary Muslims. So they condemn actually the Thursday attack. They already actually released that statement. Some of the leader, some of the activists, Al Qaeda activists, actually already released the statement to condemn actually the Thursday attack because most of the victims, actually the ordinary Muslim people.
0: Well, I mean that's that's fascinating. What groups? I mean, what groups do you mean who have who have uh, issued these condemnations?
1: It's very interesting. This is actually uh, the, the statement released by Muhammad Jibril. Muhammad Jibril, actually the chief editor of arrahma.com. He already released actually the statement who condemned actually the Thursday attack because actually the, 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 the casualties, most of the casualties is ordinary Muslim people. And he mentioned that the Thursday attack is violent Islamic law.
0: Okay, And can I ask you what can Indonesia do to reduce the threat posed by pro-ISIS groups in Indonesia and by other violent jihadis there?
1: The Indonesian government actually have uh, two strategies to combating terrorism in Indonesia you know, the first strategy actually the hard approach strategy uh, through a law enforcement approach. So far actually Indonesia is very successful if we talk about the law enforcement Approach, because most of the perpetrators actually has been arrested by the police. Almost all of the, case, the terrorist cases can be solved. But the problem is actually the second strategy, the soft approach strategy. It's been actually like the radicalization or contra-radicalism program. For example, from the Thursday attack, we can learn actually one of the perpetrators of the Thursday attacks had only been out of prison for a few months. Few months ago from that case so that the Indonesian authorities still need to work harder on the radicalization to reduce the chance that the released prisoner will become repeat offenders
0: and finally Sola, could i ask you do you think there are any lessons for other countries in the region uh, australia or Indonesia's southeast asian neighbors from the thursday attack yeah i
1: think so from the thursday attack we can learn uh maybe actually, in the future, the risk for the citizens of anti-ISIS countries will increase, become the target of the terrorist attack. Uh, I think uh, other countries like Australia, America, or Europe actually should be aware about this condition. After the statement from the spokesperson of ISIS, who appeal, actually, all of the ISIS support around the world to conduct attack against the Westerner or the citizen of the anti-ISIS countries, I think the risk uh, of the terrorist attacks against uh, the citizen of the anti-ISIS crisis, uh, countries will increase in the future.
0: Okay. On that note, Sola, it's been great. I'm afraid that's all we've got time for. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. That was Sola Hudin, author of The Roots of Terrorism in Indonesia and a leading expert on jihadism. Thanks for tuning in to this special Jakarta Terror Attacks edition of Talking Indonesia. You'll find the entire series of fortnightly podcasts on the Indonesia at Melbourne blog or subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher. My new co-host, Kamen Setiawan, will will present the next episode on 28 January. Until then, this has been the Talking Indonesia podcast.